This is P. Andrew Sandlin, founder and president of the Center for Cultural Leadership. My topic this morning is soteriological apostasy, moralism, antinomianism, and their cure. Soteriology is salvation doctrine, or the study of salvation doctrine. When I use terms like soteriological or soteric, that's what I'm referring to. All areas of life, thought, and action can be diluted or perverted. Virtually anything that God produces, Satan can pervert. This is certainly true of soteriology or salvation. The Bible teaches that man's salvation, his uh, specific eternal life, is accomplished by Jesus Christ's redemptive work, uh, notably his atoning uh, death on the cross and his glorious resurrection and ascension and present reign. This work didn't secure salvation for everyone, but for those who, by faith, cast themselves upon him, trusting God and his word and not themselves. The first major apostasy or departure from this biblical soteriology in history is one I'll call moralism. Moralism wants to intrude some aspect of man's uh, virtue or goodness or moral activity into the means of appropriating uh, that redemptive work. One of the inexplicable and extraordinary aspects of church history is how quickly the uh, primitive church, after the early church in the sub-apostolic period, the patristic church is sometimes called, uh, departed from the gospel of the free grace of God set forth by Paul and other apostles in the New Testament. Uh, you can read all about this in Thomas uh, Torrance's excellent book published, I believe, in the 1940s called Apostolic Grace uh, in the Church Fathers. The Apostle Paul, by divine inspiration, taught that uh, our salvation is entirely by God's grace, but uh, for our purposes, even more importantly, uh, appropriated by faith exclusively and in no other way. Not that good works were optional. The good works are a result of the uh, salvific, the soteric work of God uh, in our hearts and uh, do not produce that work. That truth was gradually lost and uh, in the medieval world the reaction finally came toward the end of that, of course, in the uh, 16th century with the Protestant Reformation. The medieval church had come to teach that Christ died for our sins and rose again and that he saved us by grace, but that we appropriated or were able to obtain that salvation by both faith and works, particularly works done in service of the church and participating in the sacraments and uh, consistent repentance and penance they believe that at baptism, infant baptism, uh, God placed sort of the seed of justification or being right with God in the uh, little infant's heart. And as that infant grew to uh, adulthood and cooperated with the sacramental of the church, his justification or his being right with God grew. And if he sinned and confessed his sin, came to Mass, uh, his sin was put away. Uh, if he committed mortal sins, that is, especially grievous sins, he was in dire trouble. But if he died in a, what's called in a state of grace, which means uh, right with the church and its sacramental system, 
he could expect to be justified or declared righteous. The reformers restored the uh, strong biblical emphasis on justification or by being made right with God. Uh, and the basis for it, of course, is the atoning death of Christ, but the uh, instrument for it, that is the means of obtaining it, is only by faith. Now, why did they say that? Well, that's because of what Paul said in uh, Romans 4, for example, in the book of Galatians and elsewhere. But why was faith so important? Uh, because faith is a uh, looking outside ourselves and grasping onto the promises of the Word of God. It's looking outside ourselves and submitting to the Lord and not ourselves so that we are giving up our autonomy. We're giving up our idea of how we can be saved. We're abandoning the notion that somehow our good works or our actions or even all of our perfect beliefs could save us, rather that Christ alone saves us. So the the reason the faith is unique is it turns us away from ourselves. That's biblical soteriology. Uh, tragically, uh, the victory was uh, short-lived. As early as the next century, uh, the 1600s, and particularly in England, moralism began to grow. The moralists were afraid that if you stressed justification by faith alone, you would invite antinomianism, which is what I'm going to talk about in a minute. Uh, so they proposed gutting the idea of justification by faith alone and returned to the idea of justification by faith and works. Not quite the medieval Roman Catholic idea, but uh, the effect was the same. An inescapable feature of biblical soteriology is imputation. It's a word we don't use much today. It's a good biblical word. It means crediting. It's a legal uh, forensic term. And uh, it means not a specific change in the internal aspect of a person, but rather how he is to be treated legally. Uh, the terms uh, guilty or not guilty uh, are imputational terms. Well, uh, the advantage of being saved, of trusting Christ for salvation, is that his righteousness is imputed or marked up to our account. Therefore, we can be declared righteous in the sight of God. This means we're not saved by our righteousness or declared uh, justified or right by our righteousness, but by the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Most of the moralists agreed with imputation, but sadly they believed that Christ's righteousness was imputed to our account, uh, his atoning death uh, and his uh, resurrection and even his righteous life, so-called active obedience. They believed this was imputed to us on the basis of our repentance and our turning to the Lord and our either our obedience or intention to obey, and then on the basis of that we were justified. Of course, this really destroys salvation by grace through faith. Now, they would say that this is all of grace because God graciously agrees to save those who start turning to him. Uh, the problem is that Paul says in Ephesians 2 and elsewhere that salvation is entirely by grace and not of works, even good works. We're saved to good works, but not on the basis of good works. This apostasy degenerated further in the 19th century uh, Protestant liberalism on into the 20th century, uh, degenerated into what I simply like to call a soteriology in Christian life of niceness. 
if you live a nice moral life, if you treat people well, if you do unto others as you would have them do uh, unto you, if you avoid uh, terribly gross sins like a murder and theft and adultery, then uh, you can expect to be accepted by God. If you'll think about it in the end, this makes a mockery of the death and resurrection of Christ, which really aren't necessary. Therefore, views of the atonement of Christ's death had to be adjusted. It's nothing more than an example for us to sacrifice for others. It has nothing to do with the Christ's substitution on the cross, his sacrifice on the cross for our sins, because we're actually not that sinful anyway, and we're essentially able to save ourselves. This, in a proverbial nutshell, is moralism, and it is fatal to biblical faith. Everywhere it goes, it destroys the gospel, and it destroys Christianity, as Protestant liberalism did. Now, the next example of apostasy is more relevant in our own time, and that is antinomianism. Antinomianism rose not long after the Reformation, but it has become prominent in large swaths of conservative Protestantism in the last uh, couple of hundred years. Its theoretical uh, basis is found in several different schools of thought. Uh, One of them from the 19th century among conservatives is dispensationalism, which taught that we live in the era of grace and not of law, and that law has really no place in the Christian life. Uh, But it also is prominent in the 20th century by people who stress justification by faith alone to mean that uh, because good works are not the means of our justification. Good works are always a threat to salvation by grace, and therefore we should stay away from them, uh, or at least not stress them greatly. This actually happened to uh, some of the second and third generation Lutherans. It's true today uh, among some of those who hold the so-called two-kingdom theology, and uh, many who hold to a very strong gospel law distinction. An explanation of the uh, antidote to this uh, evil, as well as the evil and uh, apostasy of moralism, uh, was found in the writings of uh, the Protestant reformer John Calvin, others too. And that is the cure for both moralism and antinomianism in the central soteriological doctrine of the Bible, Uh, I mean apart from, of course, the redemptive events themselves, Christ's death and resurrection, and that is union with Christ. We gain all the soteriological benefits by union with Christ, and outside of Christ there are none. Uh, Calvin was arguing against those who stated that if you believe in justification by faith alone, that we are not saved uh, or do not appropriate justification by good works, that if we believe that, some were saying, Roman Catholics in particular, then people will live uh, profligate lives and just continue to sin. The grace may abound, using Paul's language. Calvin pointed out, no, that isn't the case, because in union with Christ we gain not only justification, but also sanctification, that is being set apart for him, and over time may be made progressively holy like him. There is no partial Christ, and there are no partial soteriological benefits. In other words, when we trust in Christ, when we're justified by faith alone, we're united to Jesus Christ in a way that is frankly hard to explain. Yet nonetheless, we're united to him 
become flesh of his flesh and, and bone of his bone, metaphorically. When that happens, his righteousness is imputed to us. We are declared completely righteous in the heavenly courtroom by the great judge of the earth, God the Father. But not only that, we're also uh, united to his experiential righteousness. So his righteousness, his actual righteousness is imparted to us, not just imputed in justification, but also imparted in sanctification and in regeneration. And as a result, we progressively conform ourselves to his word. This means that we cannot be antinomian. That term literally means anti-law. And if our view is that we were saved uh, in order to completely shed God's law, then we have severely misunderstood Paul's teaching. Because he teaches not just that we are saved by grace through faith, without good works, but that we are saved by grace through faith in order to perform good works. He says this plainly in Ephesians chapter 2 and teaches it plainly elsewhere. John tells us in 1 John that sin is defined as a violation of the law, and therefore the opposite of sin is law-keeping. This doesn't imply that the covenant of the Mosaic law is still in force, but the moral law, what's called the moral law, the content, the substance of God's law in both the Old Testament and the New Testament, his commands, bind Christians all the time. Bind them, I say, not in order that they will be justified, but as a result, a necessary, inescapable result of their justification. It's in that sense that we can say that uh, good works and law-keeping are a condition of eternal life. Uh, they're not a precedent condition, we would say, so that we are justified on their basis, but they are a consequent condition. Those who are justified do, in fact, live a progressively holy life. Yes, they sin. Yes, they fail, but they confess their sins and stand up and move forward and progress. Those who do not live lives marked by faithful obedience, imperfect, of course, but nonetheless faithful obedience, are, according to 1 John and other texts, and Peter, for example, are, indicate that they are not justified, that they are not converted. So, these aspects of apostasy, both moralism on the one hand and antinomianism on the other, are apostasy from biblical soteriology. The cure to both of them is the truth and fact of union with Jesus Christ, accomplished by faith. When by faith we cast ourselves on him, we are justified, we're declared righteous before God. We have a righteous standing before God. Why? Because we have his son's righteousness imputed to us since we're united to him by faith. But when we were united to him by faith, we also were united not just to his imputed righteousness, but also his imparted righteousness. Uh, the seed of righteousness placed in our hearts by which we are progressively sanctified. Therefore, we cannot be antinomian or anti-law or anti-good works because that's the purpose for which we were saved. We were saved apart from good works to highlight the glorious grace of God in Christ Jesus and saved for good works that we would glorify him in our obedience. Union with Christ, therefore, is the cure for both uh, and, uh, moralism and antinomianism. This is P. Andrew Sandlin, ChristianCulture.com.